Hey, it's Leah. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to tell you about this other show called Stuff the British Stole. It's from CBC Podcast and Australia Radio National, and it's got all the story elements I love. It's got colonial theft. It's got museums denying that theft. It's got intrigue. It's got jokes by Australians. Join host Mark Fresnel as he picks one artifact and takes you on the wild, evocative, sometimes funny, and often tragic adventure of how it got to where it is today. Check it out on the same thing that you're listening to this on or on CBC Listen. This is a CBC Podcast. This is a Secret Life of Canada crash course. Just a little bit of history. Hey, Leah. Hey, Phelan. So today I want to talk to you about Bread and Cheese Day. It's a big deal in my community of Six Nations. Why have you not invited me to this? You know that that's my my wheelhouse, my loves. Um, yeah. Okay, is this is this a new holiday? Because I, I, I would like to go and I'm fully on board and... Yeah. Why haven't you well, ever invited me? I feel kind okay, of slighted. Well, okay, all right. Okay, <laughs> well, maybe we'll learn a bit about it first, and then you can decide if That's you fine. want to come. Okay. okay. So, it, and, But it is kind of a holiday. It's not new, though. Okay. It seems like something I should have heard of, so, so tell me more. Okay, well, you've probably heard of Victoria Day, and Bread and Cheese Day is kind of related to Victoria Day. Right. Victoria Day being the day when many in Canada celebrate the birthday of the, the late British monarch Queen Victoria. Yeah, and the holiday usually falls on or around the 24th of May. It's a day off for many across Canada. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I will say that I think it's more of an Eastern Canada thing than a Western Canada thing. I see people having get-togethers. They're they're smoking stuff on the barbecue. It's it's a lot of meats and <laughs> beers and like personal fireworks and stuff. Like it's it's yeah, great. Yeah. Nothing like fireworks, meat and beer to exactly. celebrate a British monarch. Um, exactly. Okay. But to be fair, I think people just like the day off and, again, fireworks. But it actually started a long time ago. It started in 1845, before Canada was even a country. Um, It wasn't until the Queen died in 1901 that the day became solidified as a statutory holiday. And so why Queen Victoria over, you know, King Samuel Jackson III? Not a real... Samuel Jackson I don't think that's... Anyway, but why her over other monarchs? Well, I think it was because Queen Victoria was the reigning monarch at the time Canada became a country, and she didn't stand in the way of negotiations. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. If you're in Quebec, the day isn't a celebration of Queen Victoria. It's called Fête Nationale de Patriot, or just Fête Nationale for short. And, you know, I've always been confused about my community's relationship with the day. Why do we celebrate it? What are we celebrating? What does Queen Victoria have to do with bread and cheese? And why does everyone in my community get free bread and cheese on her birthday? Yeah, I'm really intrigued by this one because I feel like if it's a celebration of a British monarch... Why wouldn't it be like tea and Marmite Day or like brown ale and repressed emotions day or, you know, like country land grab and like Mr. cucumber sandwiches day? You know, why why bread and cheese specifically? Well, I did some digging because I wanted to find out. So on or around May 24th, people from Six Nations, people who live there, people who have moved away, all drive over to the arena, line up and collect a big slice of bread and a hunk of cheese. 
there's like a little fair set up with like rides and snacks. Um, sometimes there's entertainment. In previous years, there would be track and field events, other sports, uh, sometimes a parade and speeches. And the roots of the event, they go far back. Um, and I had a hard time figuring out if the first celebration of Victoria Day coincided with the first bread and cheese day. But I do know that the two are tied together. Okay, but again, why? Because it, you know, to me, it seems like the crown is so often spoken about as not holding up their end of the deal when it comes to treaties and agreements. So why why a celebration or why why commemorate this day? To understand the roots of the day, we have to understand Six Nations' relationship to the British crown. Our relationship is unique and really different from other Indigenous nations. Six Nations has been making agreements with the British for hundreds and hundreds of years. Our relationship has been recorded through oral history and colonial records going back to the 1600s. Okay, that's quite a long way. Yeah, and I was surprised to learn that there were written records. So what were these early agreements? Like, what was written down? The first folks who showed up in our territory were the Dutch. And once more and more of them began showing up, it became clear that an agreement needed to be put in place. Neither party spoke the same language, so negotiations were a lengthy process. The agreement that came out of these talks was the Two-Row Wampum Belt, or the Gaswenta. Okay, yeah, and I know we've spoken about this before on the show, um, I think in our episode about the Indian Act. So... If I remember correctly, tell me if I'm wrong, the belt is a white belt with two rows of purple beads. And it, it's not like a belt you would wear, but it's more like a a, a document, a living document yeah. in a way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was meant to signify how Haudenosaunee and settler relationships should function. I, I think in the simplest terms, it's kind of a stay in your lane and I'll stay in mine agreement. Gotcha. So while we had the two-row wampum to document the agreement, the Dutch used paper, and they attached three silver chains to that paper document. These chains were made of silver because other metals, like iron, can rust and break. But silver can be polished. The relationship can be renewed. When the Dutch lost the war, the British became the dominant settler power, and they took up the two-row wampum agreement. The Haudenosaunee were recognized as important allies both for battle and for trade relationships. Uh, This agreement between the British and the Haudenosaunee would continue to develop and be renewed. When the American Revolution broke out, the Haudenosaunee had a choice to make, to fight alongside the British or the Americans. Those options are both bad. Well, and not everyone agreed on whose side to fight on. Some wanted neither. But many Haudenosaunee felt that, you know, they had dealings with the Crown and promises had been made about remaining in our territories undisturbed. So the choice for many was to fight alongside the British. Right. A devil, you know, kind of situation. Yeah, I guess. But when the British lost the war, that meant we did, too. This was a really dark time. We were burned out of our homelands and sent to live in southern Ontario and given 950,000 acres to live on. This is the Haldeman Tract, where many of us live today, except now we only hold about 5% of our original landmass. Damn. Yeah. After the American Revolution, there is more and more fighting. And in 1764, after the conquest of New France, when the French had to surrender their land to the British... British authorities and Indigenous dignitaries met at Fort Niagara. 
this was a time to renew the relationship and again to polish the chain, but also to invite other Indigenous nations into the agreement, into treaty. So it is here that around 24 other Indigenous nations entered into the agreement under the Silver Covenant Chain Wampum Belt. And what did this belt look like? Well, it's really beautiful. You can see the date, 1764 on it, and there are two figures, one representing the crown and the other First Nations allies, and they are linking hands. Okay, so the two-row wampum and the silver covenant are different agreements, but they sound sort of related somehow. Yeah, they are. Um, And the Silver Covenant chain has a long history that I can't get into today. But the sentiment around renewal of relationship is what's important here. It's about mutual respect and reciprocity. The concept of polishing the chain, renewing the relationship, is something that runs through both agreements. It was a time to discuss issues or disagreements that had come up and resolve them. It was a nation-to-nation agreement that bonded us. But little did the Haudenosaunee know how quickly they would be called upon to fight once again for the British. So when the War of 1812 broke out, the Haudenosaunee of Six Nations were requested to fight. And once again, we did, holding true to our agreements, holding true to our word. But, you know, and without our help and the help of other Indigenous nations, Britain most likely would have lost the war. And this podcast would be called Secret Life of America. Which we might do, everyone. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. (laughs) In the mid-1800s, Queen Victoria sits on the throne. Not the toilet. (laughs) Oh, wow. Is this where we are? Season four already? Just Season five. Oh, is this season five? Oh, my God. Feels like season Um, 47. But like, okay, sorry, continue. So So she she gets on the throne. She gets on the throne Which and is the a crown, chair, a royal chair. <laughs> yes, a royal chair. Uh, and and the crown well remembers the agreements that were made between the Haudenosaunee and the British. I put a call out on Facebook asking my community about the history of bread and cheese. And John Moses, you might remember him from our episode on the Indian Pavilion at Expo 67. John pointed me towards a really amazing document detailing a visit from the governor general and his wife. This is Lord and Lady Dufferin. So this is from 1874, um, and to me it really highlights the relationship between the Crown and the Haudenosaunee. This is some of what Chief Jacob General said. The Chief reminded His Excellency that when British supremacy on this continent was in peril, their Indian forefathers shed brooks of blood on behalf of the English nation, and... If the services of the Six Nations were ever requested again in defense of the British flag, they would be willing to risk their lives as their forefathers had done. Wow, brooks of blood. That's really evocative. Yeah, no mincing words there. Um, Leah, could you read this section from Lord Dufferin's speech? Oh, man, why do you always give me these old British dudes' speeches? (laughs) Do whatever accent you want. Why don't I get the cool chief with the... Okay, I will do it. Lord Dufferin. I am well aware that in ancient times, when there was a war between the early French colonizers of Canada and the early English colonists of the neighboring states, differences which I am glad to say have long since been buried in oblivion by both parties, it was on the brave of the arms and on the faithful courage of your ancestors that the crown of England then relied. The memory of these transactions, I can assure you, shall never be allowed to pass away. 
So I love this so much. Um, <laughs> it's so nice to hear this coming from a crown representative, a representative of the queen. This is from a letter sent to the governor general after his visit to Six Nations. The Six Nations have always been assured of and enjoyed care and protection under Her Majesty's government, thus maintaining an unbroken alliance and which continued good faith with all perpetuate as conveyed in their ancient wampum treaty, the silver chain which does not tarnish. The Six Nations trust that they will be permitted to address Your Excellency at any time, should it be necessary. Signed, this 21st day of August in the year 1872. We haven't forgotten that chain and what it means. There is one final thing in this doc, uh, and it has a really cool detail regarding the activities when the Governor General came to visit. In addition to the luncheon in Styers Hall, 1,000 loaves of bread, 600 pounds of cheese, and eight boxes of biscuits were distributed. Okay, here we go. This is why also it's not called bread, cheese, and biscuits. Because they really, like eight boxes of biscuits as opposed to 1,000 loaves of bread. Anyway, so this is where That's it comes really from. That's really funny because when I talked to John about it, he was like, somebody owes us some biscuits. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 6,000 you know, pounds of cheese and eight boxes of biscuits? How dare yeah. you? <laughs> uh, a lot of people say that bread and cheese actually goes back further than this. Um, and when Queen Victoria died, the practice of bread and cheese stopped for a while, but it was picked up again with the community paying for, for the bread and cheese out of our own funds. So the crown doesn't even pay for it anymore after, I'm sorry, brooks of blood? They just cut it off? Yeah, they cut it off. Between 1860 and 1919, there were 14 royal visits to Six Nations. But these days we don't hear much from our old allies. So while bread and cheese might sound like a fun light thing, and don't get me wrong, it is, but when you look a little bit deeper, when you really think about what this tradition is, it's a remembering. Because it's easy for the crown to forget us, but we won't forget them and what was promised. We will eat that cheese, even though many of us are lactose intolerant. And we will chomp down those simple carbs that might push us one step closer to diabetes. Because, damn it, it's our tradition. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.